Anyway, um, so we're going to take a little bit of a, a detour from the Acts series that we've been in over the last handful of months um, for the month of May. So we're going to do kind of a mini-series in the month of May on church leadership. And uh, this morning, as Tim and I were kind of crafting you know, what we felt like would be most helpful in the weeks of this series, we felt like this first one, it would be helpful for us as a congregation, as a flock together, to kind of pull back and go, before we start talking about the leaders of the church, let's make sure we're all on the same page as to where those leaders come from, right? Where, that, where the leaders that God calls and that God raises up come from. So I want to read you a few verses to kind of set the context for us this morning. Um, we're we're going to be jumping around a little bit more than what we would normally do. Some of these passages in subsequent weeks we're going to dig into a little bit more. But for, for this morning's time, I want you to just listen to this. So here's the first one. It's in Titus chapter 1. So this is Paul talking to one of his young church planters, one of his young pastors named Titus. And he writes him, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, that's where Titus was, so that you might put what remained in, into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. This is Acts 14, 23. It's talking about Paul and Barnabas. When they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is 1 Peter chapter 5. So this is Peter writing. And he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Then how about this one? This is Acts 6.3. We actually looked at this a handful of weeks ago. It says, therefore, brothers, pick out, this is the apostles talking, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint this duty. See, this, this, in the scriptures, the leaders of the church, they weren't brought in from the outside, right? Paul or Barnabas or Titus or Timothy or any of these guys that were going out and planting these churches, they weren't pulling people from other places and saying, you are going to be an elder here. You're going to be over here. You came from here, but you're going to be over here. That's not how it worked. The elders that were raised up and appointed and called were people that were right from that flock. And so they were people that were recognized to be people full of the spirit, full of maturity, full of character, full of the qualifications that we'll look at here in subsequent weeks. But very simple, like my point, very simple with this. There's a lot that we could say about these passages. But my point is that leaders were raised up from among the congregation. They were a part of the flock. They were called from that flock, raised up, recognized as the elders, as the leaders of that church, which actually is our point two. If you had that paper, again, if you didn't get one of those coming in on your way out, make sure you grab one of those papers. It's got the five points on it, and it's also got that graphic on it. But that's the from among and among whom, right? They're called from among, and they're leading among the flock that they're from, which I don't know what that sounds like to you. Like, maybe that sounds a little bit scary to you because you go, well, listen, we're talking about independent churches here. All of a sudden, the chapel that was one big church with seven campuses and a camp, all of a sudden now we're talking about seven churches. And do we have the right people that God can raise up among us, right? Like, do we have people that were qualified to be able to do these sorts of things, that were part of the flock, that are qualified? Or are they young? 
Are they inexperienced? Maybe they could teach, which is one of the requirements, but maybe they're not a dynamic teacher, right? Like maybe we hear this from among, elders, leaders are raised up from among and it makes us a little bit nervous. Well, this morning, what I really wanna do is I wanna help us understand a little bit more about the flock, about the congregation, about us. And I think as we do, it will give us some really good confidence as we move forward in the elder process. And everything that I'm gonna share with you this morning is true in three ways. One, it's true about the flock, the universal church. So every Christian of all time in any place. It's also true of every flock or congregation that you read about in here. And it's also true with every church that we see here today, every church of Jesus Christ that we get to experience on earth, on this planet today, including our church. So here's what I want you to do. Grab your Bible, flip it open to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> so as you're flipping there, let me, let me say something. This morning, each of us walked in here with some different labels, Right? Like maybe you walked in here and you have people that call you dad or mom or husband or wife or brother or sister. Maybe you walk here, in here and people recognize you as a middle school student or a high school student or a college student. Maybe you walk in here and they say, you are an engineer or you are an administrative professional, or you are a machinist, or you are a lawyer, or you are an artist, or you are a gamer, or you are a computer nerd, right? Like there's a zillion different labels that we can have, right? But as you sit here this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, none of those labels are your identity, right? None of those labels are your true identity. They're part of your persona, Maybe they're part of your job. Maybe they're part of your responsibilities that you have. Maybe they're, they're part of hobbies that you have. But none of those things are our true identity. What's interesting is that some of us struggle. I'm, I'm sure there are people in this room right now or watching at home that are struggling with our identity. Like, where does my identity lie? What makes me me? Am I valuable? Am I important? And who determines if I'm valuable and if I'm important? Well, I tell you this morning, the Bible has a lot to say about that, right? And as you read through the scriptures, particularly the New Testament, there's lots of things that the Bible talks about with our identity. We have lots of different examples of new identities that we have as we follow Jesus, one of which being a son of God or a daughter of God or a child of God. That's our identity when we choose to follow Jesus. Another would be a minister of reconciliation, right? That's our identity. That's a, kind of an agent of reconciliation. It's also our role and our responsibility. We say things like, when you're a follower of Jesus, you become a new creation. You have a new identity. Well, one of the other things that the Bible talks about in terms of our identity is a priest, is a priest. I, I grew up in a, a faith tradition where there were lots of priests, and many of them were just really good men, and I looked up to them, literally because I'm short, but then also figuratively, uh, I looked up to them uh, because they were good people. They were holy people, right? Like I would look at them as, as people of God, people that were so beyond me. And so, like I knew what a priest was. A priest was a holy man who dressed differently than I do, right? They dressed in the clerical collar and the robes. And so I knew what a priest was. 
and I knew I wasn't one of them, right? But hopefully you're there in 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says here. So Peter, just for context, Peter's one of the greatest church leaders of all time, one of Jesus' closest friends, and he's writing to the church in general here. So he's writing to, which is important. It's not just to one local church. This is to the churches in a region called Asia Minor, which today is, is modern day Turkey. But he's writing to this group of churches, which we readily apply to us as well. And the recipients of this letter were just normal people like you and me. Like they weren't people that, you know, dressed in, in clerical collars and, and flowing robes that, you know, were doing it right all the time and didn't have any problems. In fact, they were suffering. Many of them were suffering. It's part of the reason that Peter wrote to them. They were experiencing hardship and persecution for following Jesus. And so Peter writes to them really to encourage them and remind them of the hope that they have in Jesus and who they are in him. And this is what he says. First Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 4. So he says, as you come to him, a living stone, some translations capitalize the S in stone because this is referring to Jesus, okay? As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Remember, he's talking to everybody in the church offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jump down to verse nine. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's an interesting passage, right? Like, what do you do with that? Because Peter's not just referring to Christians in this little part of the world 2,000 years ago when he writes to them. He's also referring to us. Like you and I, if you sit here this morning and you would say, I am a follower of Jesus, I place my trust in him, then we're part of this holy priesthood. And you go, what does that mean? Right, because it's easy to read that and just kind of blow right past it and not give it much thought. Like what does it mean that you and I are being built into this spiritual house, this holy priesthood, this royal priesthood. And, and what are these spiritual sacrifices that we're supposed to be offering? Like, I'm not gonna go out and slay a goat like an Old Testament priest would, right? Like, what exactly is he talking about here? Is there some sort of difference that this should make in my life as a follower of Jesus? Well, I think so. Do you know where the priesthood originally came from? Like, like how it came to be? Like, as we talk about we're talking about Old Testament priests. I was uh, reading this week, just kind of brushing up on some of this stuff, and I came across an article written by a guy named uh, Ryan Shelton that was really good. I'm sure if you Google his name and say something about priests, then, then it'll take you there. But it was really good and helpful in just kind of understanding how the priesthood was established and why later Peter calls Christians this, this holy royal priesthood. And it all starts back in the book of Exodus. You don't have to flip there if you don't want to. But it starts in the book of Exodus, the second book in our Bible. After God had, had powerfully, supernaturally saved this young nation Israel from slavery to Egypt, God gives their leader Moses this message to share with them, to share with the nation. This is what he says. This is uh, Exodus 19, verse three. He says, this is what you're to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations 
you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He says, these, God's talking to Moses. He says, these are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. And so this is interesting because this is about 1,400-ish years before Peter writes what he writes. 1,400 years earlier, God had wanted the nation of Israel to be his kingdom of priests, this holy nation that would represent him to the world. But essentially, if you continue reading on in, in uh, chapter 19 and, and forward, essentially how they respond is they're terrified. And they're like, no, 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 no. Moses, we're not gonna do that. How about you just listen to God and you tell us what God says and we'll do everything that he says. Which of course, if you've read the Old Testament, they didn't do everything that he said, right? And so God concedes, apparently knowing that the priesthood of an entire nation, of the entire nation of Israel, wouldn't work at this time. And so what he does is he takes Moses' brother, Aaron and his descendants, and he creates this priesthood out of them. And so this is called the Aaronic Priesthood, A-A-R-O-N-I-C, Aaronic Priesthood. You can read about it in, uh, a little bit later in Exodus chapter 28. And so God's plan of a kingdom of priests was put on hold at that time until centuries later when God the Father would send God the Son to establish his kingdom on earth and it's a kingdom of priests that Peter talks about in uh, chapter two. So as you think about what it means to be a priest, here's what I would tell you. So, th so this is really critical for us. Like begin to think like, what does that mean in my life that I'm to be a holy, royal priest, part of a priesthood of God? I would tell you, be careful to, to like, don't, don't let your context be like a Catholic priest or an Orthodox priest, because that's not the context of what Peter's saying here. The context are these Old Testament priests. So as you begin to think about what this means in your life, in my life, think about what an Old Testament priest did, an Aaronic priest did. Because as we think that way, there's some things that really jump out. I'll share three things with you that just for me this week were, like as I think about myself as a priest, and as I look out and I see all of you here, and I think about you as a priest, there's some things that are really, really important for us that if we gloss by, we'll miss, okay? So let me share with you three things. Here's the first thing. Old Testament priests were specially chosen by God. Old Testament priests were specially chosen by God. So let me ask you, how many, so you have the nation of Israel, right? How, what is the nation of Israel comprised of? Tribes, right? How many tribes were there? 12 tribes, right? And so out of all of those 12 tribes, God says, I choose one tribe, the Levites. This is what it says. This is in uh, Numbers chapter eight. The Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among all the Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. After you, you've purified, I jumped down to verse 15. After you've purified the Levites and presented them as a wave offering, they're to come and do their work at the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was the tabernacle. It was kind of the precursor to the temple. They're the Israelites who are to be given wholly to me. I've taken them as my own in place of the firstborn, the first male offspring from every Israelite woman. Every firstborn male in Israel, whether human or animal, is mine. 
When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set them apart for myself, verse 18, and I've taken the Levites in place of all the firstborns in Israel. So there's a lot that we could say about that, but here's the main point that I want you to get. Out of all of those 12 tribes of Israel, God says, I have one that's gonna be my special possession. It's you, it's the Levites, right? Okay, and then among the Levites, so you have the nation of Israel, it's made of 12 tribes, God chooses one tribe, the Levites, and then each of these tribes consists of a bunch of different families, right? Just like we have families here today, kind of big families. And one of those families, God looks at and says, and out of all these Levites, my own special possession, I choose you to be my priests. Who did he choose? Aaron, right? And he says, Aaron, I choose you and your family out of all of the people, out of all of Israel, out of all the tribes, out of all of the Levites to be my, kind of like my extra special possession, right? Now, apply this to yourself. So so they're specially chosen by God. Think about that for you because he calls you a priest. Like think about what it means that you are specially chosen by God, extra specially handpicked by him. Like, how does that make you feel this morning? These are the words that God uses to us. How does that make you feel? It's good, right? Like, we feel special. We feel significant when we're chosen. We all want to feel special. And God says, I choose you. You're mine, and I love you. That's the first thing. God, uh, Old Testament priests were specially chosen by God. If, if you were to try to summarize what priests do, let me give you the next two things and, I, and I'll give you the context. If you were to summarize what priests do, like high level, like what are the functions of an Old Testament priest, kind of the baseline level, I would break it into two things. Here's the first thing. Old Testament priests were given special access and intimacy with God. So you start to think about like what old, the Aaronic priesthood, what Old Testament priests, like what makes them a priest? Well, they had special access to God that none of the other Levites and none of the other Israelites had. For example, they could enter the holiest places of the temple that no one else could, right? And in the temple, they had special responsibilities that no one else could do. Things like taking care of the altar and, and keeping the lamps going and the bread of presence and you know, the sacred fire, keeping that going. And so they were people that had special access to the very presence of God in a way that no one else did. They had unique, direct access to him, right? And then, this was just interesting to me. Like, this just struck me this week. They had, God made them to have a reliance on him that no one else did, right? So like, I don't know if you know this. When, when God gives this promised land to the nation of Israel, and they go in and they take it, Joshua leads them into the promised land, God essentially divvies it up, and he says, for Judah, you get this, for Reuben, you get this land, for you, you know, each of the lands get different stuff, except, or each of the tribes get different lands, except the Levites. They didn't have any portion of the land. And then you know what God says? I'm your portion. You don't get an inheritance. I'm your inheritance. So that you, among all the people, have to rely on me more and more and more. That's significant. So think about what that means for you as a New Testament priest. You are somebody, not only are you 
extra specially chosen by God, but you're somebody that's given special access and intimacy with God. Think about what that means in your life. Let me give you the third thing. Old Testament priests were God's intermediaries between him and people. So specially chosen by God, out of all the tribes, out of all the families of the Levites, I choose you, Aaron, and all of your descendants. I give you special access to me that no one else has. And then I give you a responsibility to the people. I give you a responsibility to connect other people's hearts with my heart. You're my connecting point. You're my intermediary, right? That's the other response. Two big categories of responsibilities. You get to do the work of the temple and be in the very presence of God, and you get to help other people connect with God. And so what, that, what happened is they knew God's heart. And so they begin to speak to the people for God and teach the people about God. They spend time with him and they know his heart more. And so when there's problems with the people, they become the judges of the people, right? They counsel people according to God's standards. They, they knew God's heart and they offered sacrifices for the people so that they could experience forgiveness. And they prayed for people that were going through hard times. Essentially, their job was to help people connect to the God of the universe. And so then you pull back again, you go, okay, that's me. I'm, I'm a New Testament priest. I'm a priest of Jesus. That's what God calls me. How am I doing at connecting other people to him? Right? Am I, do I take that seriously? Do I, take, do I respond selflessly in that? You are called a kingdom of priests when we choose to follow Jesus Christ. That becomes our identity. We have all kinds of labels, teacher, student. Somebody in between services says, you didn't say engineer. Engineer. <laughs> Mother, father. We have all kinds of labels, but none of those are our identity. It's really critical this morning that we understand that our identity is a priest of Jesus, chosen especially by him, who has direct, immediate, anytime, intimate access to him, and we have a responsibility toward each other. So, why do I tell you all that? Like, we're doing a little series on, like, church leadership. Why are we talking about, you know, the, the priesthood of all believers? What's the point? Well, I, I would tell you three things, and i got to be quick with these. Three things. These are, these are three really important points. Where we sit right now as a church, with all the things, you know, Tim, Tim shared, this is, the, this is the very first step. We have a zillion steps ahead of us, like big stuff. And so it's really important that we all get on the same page and understand who we are. So let me, let me give you kind of three impl implications of you and I being priests. Here's the first thing. We need to understand and accept who we are. We need to understand that this is who God called us to be. We need to take this responsibility really, really seriously. When I turn my life over to Jesus, I'm not my own. Life is not about me anymore. Think about a priest really only has significance when a priest is connected to the one he's serving, right? Like what good is a priest if the priest doesn't have a connection to the God he's serving? Like you and I have a responsibility to him, a calling. Like we should take our faith, our, the, the anytime access we have to the God of the universe, man, we should take that really seriously. 
And we should help each other take that really seriously and encourage each other and spur each other on to good deeds, right? So that's the first thing, that we must understand and accept who we are. Okay, here's the second thing. We're in this together and we're a part of something much bigger. If, if we as a church have any hope of being the kind of church that Jesus Christ calls us to be and is shaping us to be, then we gotta take very seriously that Peter doesn't write, you are a bunch of holy, royal, individual priests with individual relationships to the God of the universe. That ain't what he said, right? Now we are individual priests who have individual connections, but what does he call us? Priesthood. What's a priesthood? Priesthood is a bunch of priests connected to each other and connected to God. There's a plurality to it, right? Listen, this morning, I don't know where you're at, I don't know know, what your life is like outside of here for most of us, but it's no coincidence, it's no surprise that you're here, right? Like God has called you at this time in the history of the chapel, I didn't think I'd be here five months ago, to be honest with you. God had other plans. And I'm so glad that he's put me here. And I'm so glad he's put you here. And we're in this together, right? To move forward in the way that he calls us to move forward. There's a connection. And the priesthood isn't just us. Remember what I said at the beginning. There's the priesthood applies to our church and every other church you see around here. It applies to every church you see here. And it applies to every true believer for all time. That's the priesthood. Like we have this history. We have this lineage of God calling people and equipping people and empowering people and challenging people to walk through many times some really hard things as his chosen possession to help this world come to know who Jesus is. Like that's what we get to be a part of. Like I don't know what you feel inside when you hear that. Like that gets me amped up because I think now's our time. Like I read this just like you do. And I go, man, there's amazing people in there. I can't wait to see them one day, right? But now's our time. Like we're writing the story today. And if we don't do it together, it's not gonna be a very good story, right? Let me give you one last thing. The church leaders are chosen from the priesthood. So again, maybe you hear, okay, we're talking about seven campuses and a camp becoming independent churches. That's a little scary for us because we've been together for a long, long time. Listen, these elders that we're gonna raise up here among us, us together, are priests. Special connection to God, chosen by God. Special connection to him. Have access anytime. The Holy Spirit indwelling them who are called and challenged and excited to help other people connect to him. That's who the elders are from. Man, that should give us confidence, shouldn't it? Like we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. We, we should fear and worry if we stop talking to each other and, and stop, you know, doing this together. If we try to be individuals, we're in trouble. But if we act the way that God calls us to be this holy, royal priesthood, man, we can move forward with such confidence and such joy. I tell you, I'd be remiss if I didn't just take a second here at the end. And 
if you sit here this morning and, and you're not part of this priesthood, if you would say, listen, I, I'm here because I'm curious or you know, somebody invited me or whatever, but I, I would not say I identify with Jesus at this point. Uh, first of all, I would tell you I'm so glad that you're here. I hope this morning made sense to you. And I hope the Lord just kind of reaches you right where you're at. You know, we all come, I think of my own life. I was 20 when I became a Christian. And I think of my own questions that I had. And I don't get answers to all the questions, none of us do. But I remember God met me right where I was at, right where I was at. And I have been praying and trust that God would do that with you this morning, right? And if this morning you are one of his priesthood, remember who you are. Remember we're in this together. We're a part of something much bigger and have courage because who God is raising up from among us are priests connected to the sovereign God of the universe. Lord, we, uh, we have a lot of confidence, not because of us, not because we're anything special, but because we're connected to you. We're not priests because we went to Bible college or seminary or from a particular family line. We're priests because we love and trust Jesus and wanna walk with you closely. And the benefits you give us, God, to be able to know that we're special and chosen by you, to know that we can connect with you anytime. We have direct access. We don't have to go through anyone else. There is no intermediary that we need and then to know that our job, our responsibility is to help other people connect with you. To help them develop their own relation, direct relationship with the God of the universe. God, what a privilege that is. Help us to accept our identity and who you've made us and called us to be. Father, as we take these steps as a church, we trust you with it. You're leading us. Help us to hear you clearly. Yeah, as one God with unity and give us the courage to follow. Lord, we love you. In Christ's name, amen. Guys, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna dismiss you today. They're gonna play out. If you wanna stay and worship, that's great. Um, if you wanna head out, that's fine too. But we love you guys and we'll see you next week. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.